welcome your host, Mr. David Ennis. Hello and welcome to Grain of Truth, the show where cops and toothsies spread the truthsies. Ah. <laughs> uh, your grains of truth today. A musical note that is made of wool is the crochet. Ah. <laughs> That's a good response. <laughs> 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 uh, a, okay, and breathe. Try it. Uh, a coke habit is when you smuggle drugs in a nun's outfit. <laughs> ah. We apologise to Sister Mary in the audience there. <laughs> when you drunkenly dance in Dublin, you do the Irish jug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, I've done that. Yeah, that's right. You got a marker, so yeah, that's good. <laughs> and the waterway where couples consummate their relationship is the root canal. Ah, it's my favourite. <laughs> and that's not the pun. To introduce our panelists for the episode, it's over to our resident scorekeepers, the Boffins. From the University of Melbourne, representing literature, it's Tim Redman. From Charles Sturt University, Wonga Wonga Campus, representing heroes, it's Rob Lloyd. From RMIT University, representing pugs, it's Marcus Willis. From RMIT University, representing performing arts, it's Stacey Taylor. simple points are awarded to the panellists for their responses to the ridiculously absurd questions, scenarios and topics that I give. Whoever has the most points wins the coveted Grain of Truth prize, which this week is a rebellious white blood cell. But don't worry, it's just a phage he's going through. (laughs) Now before we begin the quiz, here's a small challenge for everybody. Can you name the Grain of Truth that connects all four of our panellists' topics? That's literature, heroes, pugs and performing arts. And we'll get to the answer at the end of the episode, but I will give you a clue. Ye oldie. That Ooh. is your clue. Ye oldie. But we'll start with round one, which is called Right Said Ted. Each panellist must deliver a 90-second Ted-style presentation relating to a theme. At 60 seconds, they'll hear this noise, and at the 90-second mark, they'll hear this noise, <laughs> at which they must wrap up their talk. Whoever uses their special skills to present on the theme the best gets the points. The theme of this TED presentation is coughs, splutters and sneezes. So we'll start with Tim Redman, representing literature, to talk about coughs, splutters and sneezes. Tim, your time begins then. Thank you, David. Good afternoon, everyone. Coughs, splutters and sneezes literature. (coughs) Ixterb. Although he speaks very little German, he sits suddenly bolt upright and cries, Ixterb, I die. The doctor calms him, takes a syringe and injects him with camphor for the tuberculosis that has ravaged his body and lungs. Antov Chekhov orders a single champagne. He drains it and lies quietly on his left side. And by the time his partner, Olga, has made the three steps to his bed, he is dead. Anton Chekhov is 44. He was a practicing physician in pre-revolutionary Russia. He wrote over 200 short stories and considered the father of the short story and four classics of theatre, The Seagull, Uncle Vanya, um, Cherry Orchard and The Three Sisters. Coughs, splutters and sneezes. What Chekhov understood and what we now understand, it is not the words with the exclamation marks that define the drama. It's the space in between. And what he also understood is a man who was racked with tuberculosis when there was no cure or hope but only a painful death was there's a deadline ticking, let's hop to it. 
that pain makes us present, suffering propels us forward. Now, let's not for a minute indulge, take that and indulge the archetype of the suffering writer. Oh, boy. The person who mistakes a pout for a set jaw, who mistakes whining for a siren song. No, they're not suffering writers. They're bloggers. (laughs) What Chekhov understood is... How about now? How about right now? At 44, he died, but he left behind a great canon of humanism and great theatre and short stories. And to the end, I say, Ich bin fertig. I finish. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is a question for the panel, but we're starting with Tim. Uh, yes. When you've been homesick, uh, either as a child or now, or both, uh, what has been your best remedy to get over any sort of sicknesses and things like that, or uh, your favourite one? Online Scrabble on my <laughs> iPad. Oh, really? I love it. It makes me feel really good. Because <laughs> you get to win, or is it just the, it's a sense of accomplishment? Both. Oh, both. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, there's something, I love my iPad, mm. and I love playing Scrabble. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> t- t- combining two great things at last. Yes. Uh, what about you, Rob? What's your favourite when you're stuck at home sick? Well, I'm going to talk about it a bit in my talk, uh, but when it comes to... Uh, no spoilers! Sorry, go on. <laughs> Rabbit. That's it. <laughs> okay, so I you, love Mark? that spoiler alert. Spoilers! <laughs> uh, Marcus, when you're at home sick, what is your preferred remedy? To uh, get over it? Apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. honey, and lemon. Oh, as yeah. a, as a, I, I didn't realise that was a thing. So. Yeah, I don't know. A friend of mine who's a singer recommended mm-hmm. it for your throat, so mm-hmm. it tastes nice. So oh. it makes me feel good. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. N- nice things do make people <laughs> feel good, which is excellent. Um, uh, what about you, Stacey? What's, uh, what's your uh, uh, sick time remedy? Well, as a child, it was mum's hand. Oh. I have a friend that suggest- suggested to me once they should design a bed head with a kind of attachment. <laughs> <laughs> Repl- but you? For adults, it replaces, you know, oh. you're lying there and you're sick and, oh. And it has okay. different settings depending <laughs> on what mood you're in. Oh, that's the saddest thing in the world. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I was about to say, mother's things do tend to be uh, a lot better. Like, for instance, mother's spit is the most powerful solvent in the world. Damn straight it is. Exactly right. Maybe that's a new marketing line, to make mothers whatever. Now I figured out why so many mothers spit at me in the street. (laughs) (laughs) It's just with love. (laughs) What about if you're getting a bit uppity, there's a spray called mother's disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and there's nothing in it. It just goes... Yeah. No, you spray it. You don't spray it on yourself. You spray it on other people, and they call you by your full name. (laughs) (laughs) Robert John Lloyd. (laughs) Oh, Oh, (laughs) Oh, he does, doesn't it? Uh, To next speak on the topic of coughs, splutters, and sneezes is Rob Lloyd representing heroes. Your time begins. Yeah. Here's my remedy for what I do when I'm sick and I'm, you know, hauled up at home and I need something to do. I'm going to give you my top five superhero movies to watch. They're <laughs> underappreciated, underrespected, and probably rightly so. Number five, <laughs> The Phantom, starring the greatest actor in the world, Billy Zane. <laughs> it has Catherine Zeta-Jones in it, and Treat oh, yeah. Williams as the villain. <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> number four, The Shadow, directed by Ozzy uh, Russell Mulcahy, starring Eric Boren. Um, and uh, it's got Tim Curry acting over the top and Ian McKellen in one of his first mainstream film roles, and he's kind of dull in that. But yeah, it doesn't really get it right, but The Shadow's a really cool uh, Pulp Fiction character. Uh, number three, Superman 3. <laughs> 
Now, it's directed by Richard Lester, and it's over the top with its hammy acting and stuff like that. But it does have one of the greatest scenes ever where Superman fights Clark Kent in a, in a trash yard. And it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Tim Redmond is very happy. He, can, he knows Chekhov and Superman. He, he's got depth, ladies. Uh, number two. Number two is going to be The Flash 90s TV series. <laughs> With John Wesley Sh- uh, Ship and uh, Mark Hamill as the trickster. It's really 90s. Like, it was even dated the day it came out. <laughs> and finally, Mystery Man is like my favourite all-time underrated uh, comic book film ever. It's got Mr. Furious. It's got The Shoveler. It's got The Blue Raja, played by Hank Azaria. And it's got um, uh, Jeffrey Rush as the uh, Casanova Frankenstein, the villain. It was an... And the spleen. Who could forget the spleen played by Pee Wee Herman? You want to know my power? Pull my finger. It's great. So, yeah, they're my top five cures for um, uh, when you're sick at home, watch a really bad superhero film. Thank you. Brilliant. Uh, now, here's a question for you, Robin, also to the panel. Is there a movie that nobody else in the world likes but you do? Is there a movie that you absolutely love or know about but nobody else knows or likes? A film I really love but I don't think anyone knows about it is a film called Searching for Bobby Fischer. It was a film made in the 90s and it's about this young uh, kid who's a, uh, who just takes up chess and he's like an absolute superstar at it. And Bobby Fischer was a huge uh, chess genius. Um, but nobody knows about it. I mention it to everybody and they have no idea. And it's got a really cool cast like Ben Kingsley's in it, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Joan Allen. It's an amazing film. It's got some, like, it captures chess and it does it in a cinematic way. It's absolutely brilliant, but nobody knows about it. Not literally. He doesn't sort of go and grab arms and grab every tress set, every possible, and put them in a big pile. Spoilers, man. You've <laughs> That's the Michael Bay remake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The remake is really bad. And I don't know why Megan, Megan Fox shows her backside for the entire thing, but anyway. Yeah. And explosions. What about you, Marcus? Is there a, a film that either nobody knows or uh, nobody else likes but you do? Well, Superman 3 that just came up, I love that. Yeah. I watched that so much as a little kid. I think it might have saved me from whooping cough as well. So it's very <laughs> true what you're saying. They, Richard Pryor, <laughs> on you go. There you go. Uh, what about you, Stacey? Is there a... Well, in the sort of the rash of 80s teen dramas, usually directed by um, John Hughes, there's one that never seems to kind of make the list, and that's Some Kind of Wonderful. Has anyone seen it? Oh, Some Kind of Wonderful's great. It is great, but it never sort of, it doesn't have the St. Elmo's Fire, 16 Candles kind of legacy. Yeah, it's got um, uh, Eric Stoltz and Eric Leah Thompson. Stoltz, um, uh, Mary Stuart Masterton as a girl drummer with uh, leather gloves with fringes. Yeah. Fringes, Everyone. people. Fringes, <laughs> fringes on your wrists. Uh, fringes on your wrists. Uh, it, it was a bad thing for me to choose to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> what, about you, what about you, Tim? Is there a movie or... Yep. Yes, there is. <laughs> the World, The Flesh and the Devil. It's a post-apocalyptic musical made in the 50s starring Harry Belafonte. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> like that. You win, immediately. <laughs> Let's, uh, we're all My work do- here is done. We're, we're all illegally streaming it now. <laughs> there we go. Uh, our next speaker is Marcus Willis representing Pugs to present on the theme of coughs, splutters and sneezes. Uh, Marcus, your time begins last second. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. A study that was conducted in 2015 by myself found that pugs are the cutest and most loved animal on the planet. I wondered why the humble pug? Why not the horse who's served humankind for centuries or the Labrador, a very distant relative of the pug who's capable of assisting the blind? Um, And all of my data pointed to one thing, the pug's constant coughing, spluttering and sneezing. Through research, I learned that pugs operate at a minimum of 57 decibels, which is similar to a John Deere ride-on lawnmower. (laughs) 
which actually makes them the most inefficient hunting animals on the planet. The only recorded incident of pugs and violence was in 2009 when a grumble of pugs destroyed an unopened packet of LCMs. <laughs> pugs cannot live without humans, which has resulted them in instinctually becoming much cuter and more adorable than other species. So, therefore, in order to maintain their preferred dietary requirements of minced turkey, gravy, and the yellow or pink clinkers, if they've... <laughs> They've uh, developed new survival instincts, including uh, the head tilt, where they just look at you sideways, uh, wagging their curly tails, or occasionally sitting for food. And, of course, none of this evolution would be uh, possible without their coughing, spluttering, and sneezing. Ladies and gentlemen, Marcus Willis! So many rational arguments in one tiny little special. I, I love that a lot. Uh, you got me at the word data. <laughs> you had me, me at, at grumblings. <laughs> science <laughs> boner. Science boner. <laughs> oh, you said you'd never use my toy name. <laughs> um, Marcus, did you grow up with any pets as a child? Or was, are I you had, just a pug man now? I had a pug. Oh, from, uh, from as a kid onwards? Yeah, his oh. name was Demas, uh, which was a famous racehorse in the 80s. Oh. And, yeah, I just oh, love pugs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, no, I completely understand uh, as a, a fellow dog person, but wishes he had one. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I grew up with dogs, absolutely. What about you, Stacey? Were you, did you ever grow up with pets at all? I did, and our family was a dog family. Yep. They um, did tend to sort of disappear or get attacked by other dogs. But while they were with us, they had a good life. I'm curious about the disappearing, though. Was there like some sort of dog triangle, the Bermuda dog triangle somewhere? Or did they just run away? Or? Well, I grew up in the cough 70s. And that was when you kind of just let... It, it was quite odd. You were allowed to just sort of let your dog go at sort of about, you know, four o'clock. <laughs> And expect them back at seven, <laughs> you know, and there was no sort of, you know, oh, they should be on a lead or <laughs> accompanied by a human. <laughs> and then so sometimes that would just mean they'd not come back at seven, oh, which so is quite they're, bad they're when you're sort of five going, what? And it's just like, well, that's just the word. Well, that's the beauty for Pug. They need to come back because they can't fend for themselves. Mm. So they will <laughs> always come ah. back at dinner time. It, it always seems like, you know, metaphors for teenagers, like the idea that in the 70s they all just go to dog clubs or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Exactly. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Tim, were you a, a dog person at all? No, we were rabbits, as a matter of fact. Really? Ah. Which often were savaged by dogs. <laughs> 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 you know, I loved them while they around. <laughs> Your childhood was watership down. <laughs> it was. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, Hazel Raw. Uh, what about you, Rob? Yeah, dogs, 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 but uh, the last couple of years it's been nothing but cats. <laughs> and now I talk to cats. <laughs> I'm a crazy cat man now. They have personalities. They talk to me through their <laughs> meow. Stop it. Stop. Don't do that. Yeah, I'm getting your food soon. Stop it. You always judge me. Help. <laughs> <laughs> so is Crazy Catman your new superhero, Robert? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. May I ask Marcus a question? Mm. You yeah. mentioned that your, your um, pugs like only certain colours clinkers. Yeah. How do they tell? Uh, <laughs> what they actually do, if a pug's trained you correctly, they make you take a tiny snippet of oh, uh, chocolate at the end. Cheeky little buggers. And if you don't show them the colour, they won't eat it. But if you show them a yellow or a pink, then they will eat it. You could Manchurian candidate that pug with that training. <laughs> <laughs> well, our final speaker is Stacey Taylor, oh, representing right. Performing Arts, to present on the theme of coughs, splutters and sneezes. Uh, Stacey, your time begins now. Uh, thank you. Well, of course, there's no place 
for coughs, splutters and sneezes in the performing arts, where the prevailing ethos is the show, whether you're suffering from a cold, scurvy or a grizzly bear attack, must go on. There are no sick leaves or free flu vaccinations in the theatre, darling. And it's actually a point of pride just how close to death's door one can be before heroically staggering through a three-hour performance of The Duchess of Melfi. (laughs) Dr. (laughs) Theatre will fix it, booms a diva as she smears aloe vera on her top-to-dough third-degree burns before painfully squeezing into a sequined leotard for the opening number. But what is less known save for my extensive research on the topic, is that this tendency can have interesting consequences. Consider the case of the New York actor who played Hamlet with a head cold, leading an entire audience to believe the piece is about a Danish prince forced to choose between two women, Debbie or not Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Here all week. Happily, this... <laughs> and grown. It's awesome. <laughs> Happily, this misunderstanding led to a well-reviewed off-off-Broadway spin-off called Debbie or Not Debbie, which, fun fact, would have been a young Tina Fey's big break, save for the flu-ridden critic phoning in her review and crediting the performance to Dina Bay. <laughs> now, this was really good news for a young Broadway understudy coincidentally called Dina Bay, who, <laughs> who had been waiting five years to get a run in front of an audience, which sadly, thanks to Dr. Theatre, wasn't ever going to happen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Stacey Taylor! Thank you. A <laughs> uh, question for the panel, starting with Stacey. Yes. Uh, in all of your uh, experiences in theatre, what was the most painful experience that you've ever had to do, whether a sickness or otherwise, um, that you've had to do in your illustrious career? Look, this is kind of gross, but I did have to run off stage and projectile vomit. Oh, was this because of something you ate or was it because it was a really bad play? (laughs) It was actually improv and... um, (laughs) So (laughs) off the way. way. (laughs) But luckily, because it was improv, you can... Bloody improvisers. (laughs) (laughs) You can fashion an exit in that environment, you know. (laughs) i got to go. But it it was close. I think Stacey was just being, you know, they were playing yes, let's. (laughs) Let's all projectile vomit. Yes, (laughs) let's! (laughs) Stacey, you took it too far. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it was just an awkward sense. What about you, Marcus? Uh, have you had a, a, a really painful theatre experience? Um, one time before a show, uh, one of my testicles rotated, and it was not just the worst show of my life, but the most painful day of my life. And I had to go to an emergency room and get it moved back. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to know what led to that. That was. Just I just slept on it incorrectly, apparently. <laughs> There's a correct way for slipping on one's yeah. testicle. <laughs> I'll show you later. <laughs> what about you, Rob? What was your most painful theatre experience? Oh, I, I did. <laughs> this could only be better with that kind of laughter. <laughs> we did a corporate gig one time. Oh, that, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> with my uh, improv group. And um, before we were introduced, the venue was horrible. It was like there was a dance floor centre and it was completely bare. There was cabaret seating all around. So the distance between us and the stage and the performers uh, was insane. And the audience was horrible. But before we went on, uh, they said, oh, we've just got to have a special announcement from the head of this company. And the guy got up and started talking (laughs) about one of the members of the company who had passed away. (laughs) (laughs) Only within the last couple of days. Oh, God. <laughs> and without a beat, after going, let's all just take a moment to think about this and thank you all for helping out the family and all that type of stuff. Now here's the comedy. Yeah, <laughs> let's do some improv. And Woo. I just looked over at my other improvisers and they're looking at me going, we don't want to do this, we don't want to do this. No, we can do it. We walk straight <laughs> on. And I just 
we had our routine already figured out before we knew it. And the first game we played is an impro game where you tell a story one word at a time. Oh, no. uh, or you talk until someone who stuffs up, you call out a certain word. This game is called Die. <laughs> I didn't realise it until I was driving home. I went, what's the whole... That was okay. The... Oh, my God. That's the worst gig ever. <laughs> I'll sit down, you awful man. <laughs> well, that's the end of the round, so it's now time for a score update from the Boffins. Boffins. Thank you, David. According to the Grain of Truth superhero movie, Rob has taken the lead by getting approval for a sequel. Uh, the next round is the analysis and application round. Our panel is divided into teams of two and must apply their skills to an application task. Uh, Marcus and Stacy. Hello. Marcus and Stacy, I challenge you to, you to explain which is the odd one out in these lists that I will present. So, okay. Uh, I need you to explain which one is the odd one out and why. Uh, I'm going to start with this list. Uh, red, burgundy, magenta and maroon. Which one's the odd one out and why? Uh, maroon is the odd one out mm. because... Um, there's actually a part of a band name, unlike all the other colours. Oh, not, not simply red? <laughs> I think there's the a red hot the chili boys. <laughs> I forget. Well, they're more um, for musical group. town rats. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, what about in this list uh, we've got here? Uh, trees, shrubs, grass and flowers. Mm. What's the odd one out? Grass is the odd one out. Okay, and why is that? And grass is actually an animal. Really? Well, tell us more about this animal, the grass. Uh, the grass, well, you know, you think because it grows from soil that it is um, a, 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 a flora, but it has actually proved to be fauna um, that is actually a, um, a variation of mite. <laughs> also, so <it> data. <laughs> data explains everything. I will never look at mowing the lawn the same way ever again. I know, that's why you wear ear, earphones. I mean, genocide. you know. Oh, the protective. It's like the killing fields. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and finally, the what? What's the odd one out in pancakes, flapjacks, crepes, and English muffins? <laughs> I just like saying those. Say, say it again. Uh, pancakes, flapjacks, crepes, and English muffins. Uh, English muffins is the only thing that Stacy and I have not eaten together. <laughs> That's right. We <laughs> regularly meet for the other three. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Flapjack Thursday. Listen. <laughs> 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 Just the ladies. Ladies. <laughs> Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Marcus and Stacey. Yay. Well, we crept him up. <laughs> it's that time of the week. <laughs> it's Flapjack <laughs> Thursday. And who's our special guest on Flapjack Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> Come, 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 come. Okay, uh, chameleon. Now, uh, what's that? Tim and Rob. Yes. Hello. I challenge you to be an over-the-top current affairs program. What? Or even like you, cha- you challenge them to be. <laughs> or I need to tone it down a bit. I mean. uh, or Not even a, a tabloid newspaper. I want you to describe the following historical events as if it came from a current affairs program or uh, a tabloid newspaper. And uh, the particular event I want you to talk about here is uh, 1969 when man walked on the moon. So I want you to be as over-the-top current affairs about man walking on the moon in 1969 as possible. Mm. Martin D'Astasio with that disturbing report about tradesmen <laughs> stealing your cats. <laughs> we now pass over to Tim Redmond about a conspiracy 
Or is it an achievement? Man walking on the moon. Tim. America's hegemony has been predicated on superiority in space. Is the footage as seen here on YouTube of them landing on the moon authentic or just a claymation dupe? Why doesn't the flag blow? Because there's no wind in space. Who was filming him as he jumped out? There was an arm on the spacecraft and they pushed out the camera. So, wee fruit tingles. We now cross over to our Friday Night Funny Man on Flapjack Thursday, <laughs> David Innes. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim and Rob. Yeah. Oh, current affairs. Oh. <laughs> Panicked. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that's Karen. the end of the round, so it's now over to the Boffins with a score update. Boffins. Yes, thank you, David. According to the Grain of Truth Collective Noun... What sound is that, Marcus? Where did that sound come from? again, please. That's when you give a green clinker to a pug. Why have it? Why have it? It's funny because pug. And kids, do try that at home. Film it, put it on YouTube, and put green of truths. Green of truths. Can I have that again, please? No. You had your chance. <laughs> so cranky. And now it's over to the Boffins with a score update. Boffins. Yes, thank you, David. According to the Grain of Truth Collective Noun database, Tim is now in the lead by a conspiracy of ravens. Yes. Oh. That's amazing. That's quite a few of them. Now, <laughs> about to ask, how many is a conspiracy? Uh, well, our next round is called the Back Chat Radio Round. Uh, Tim, I'm yes. going to be challenging you to be a smooth-talking host of a, a talkback radio station. Kind of. Uh, Marcus, you're going Hello. to be a special guest in the studio, and I'm going to get you to be talking about your special subject of pugs. So you've Great. been invi- invited in to talk about pugs. Uh, Stacey and Rob, however, you're going to be callers in. Yes. So you're going to be callers nice. in uh, with the many coloured personalities and styles of callers that you might hear on said talkback radio. Uh, so... It's a show about pugs, and I'm going to start with uh, uh, Tim uh, hosting the show. Welcome back to Tiny Little Things. In the studio, we've got Dr. Marcus talking about when was the moment you realised that pugs are for you? Thank you. Uh, great question, Tim. You're welcome. <laughs> I was uh, actually in bed. It Ooh. was um, an early, early morning. Yes. And uh, yeah. Demus, my pug, had Demis, jumped. Demus, that's pretentious. I love it. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Demis had jumped yes. up on, uh, mm. on my bed. On your bed. And uh, like most mornings, like he... Like most mornings. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he'd uh, just started snuggling. Snuggling. And, uh, Little snuggling pug. Exactly right. Little snuggling pug called Demis. It was a beautiful moment. Uh-huh. And he's just sneezing and gnawing and licking at my face. The silent G and gnawing. Isn't snuggling pug, silent G gnawing. We've got a caller. Oh, good. We've got, we've got um, Terence from Reservoir. He's calling in with a question for you, Marcus. Terence, you're online. Hello, Terence. Oh, hello. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, you're at home still, Terence, but thank, thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for feeling as if you are here. I like to think that everyone's here together discussing pugs. I just wanted to get some smug attitude. I'm done. Thank you. Oh, Goodbye. Bye, Terence. Bye, Terence. <laughs> 
Oh, you handled him really well, Doctor. It was really a pug-like handling of the situation. Oh, we've got a caller in oh, from Moorabbin. It's Karen from Moorabbin. Karen, you're online. I just really want to say that I really love pugs. I've had 15 in my time, and it's really good that actually somebody's on the radio talking about pugs because they're really ignored usually. Um, my one's called Daisy. That's my oldest one, and she spawned five more. That's um, Moorabbin, named after the place where I live, and um, uh, also Reservoir Office. Um, Montmorency, Elsom, and uh, uh... coming up with suburbs is hard. Isn't it? <laughs> I like to think of train lines. It helps me remember them. <laughs> Thank you, Karen from Moorabbin. So, Dr. Marcus, if there's one thing that pugs teach us as people, what is it? It's that beauty is not everything. Beauty is not everything. Thank you, tiny little things, FM. Ladies and gentlemen, the panel. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's the end of that round, so it's over to the Boffins for a score update. Boffins, what can you tell us? Thank you, David. The lead is chopping and changing lots <laughs> and lots and lots. Lots and lots. Lots and lots. According to the Grain of Truth children's book, Stacey has taken the lead with a pocket full of sunshine. Aww. Also a suburb. <laughs> a pocket full of sunshine. That's so better than a pocket full of reservoir. A pocket full of sunshine is a pocket full of crystal meth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's oh. funny because it's true, people. It's <laughs> funny because we're white middle class. Now, <laughs> and how? Uh, well, now it's, uh, before we get to the end of the program, it's now time to reveal the answer to our Grain of Truth Connection Challenge. Ooh. Firstly, did anyone get the connection between your topics, literature, heroes, pugs, and performing arts? Yeah. Ooh, yes. No, no, Rob had his hand up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Milo and Otis. Okay, why is it Milo and Otis? Uh, because... Um, oh, Milo wow. or Otis is the pug, right? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. This is yeah. going well. They're, all he- they're both heroes in, mm. that, in that movie. Mm. Um, performing arts, it's a film. Um, and literature, a script was written. <laughs> and, it was written and it was read out by Dudley Moore. Yeah, that, that is a very good one. Give a round of applause for that. I think that's quite a good set of connections. And Vegas. all those animals died during the <laughs> making of the film. Oh, that crab. Oh, every time I see it. It brings terror. Anyone else got an idea what the connection would be? No, I was going to launch into a long-winded, ill-conceived gag. (laughs) (laughs) I would say entire career on Grain of Truth. (laughs) (laughs) I use the word gag loosely. Uh, I'd hope that they're all completely suitable topics for a podcast. That they are. Well, very good, very good connection. Here are our boss markers there. (laughs) And you said that so calmly and nicely (laughs) that you go, screw you, Lloyd. Um... Well, the connection that I had was Shakespeare, in fact. Um, Shakespeare, of course, is known for his playwriting and subsequently relates to so much of the performing arts. His stories contain many heroes, even if they die in some horrible, horrible way. Like when a crab Um, attacks them. Yes. I love that bit in 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 King Lear. (laughs) King Lear. (laughs) Um, uh, By the way, fun fact, if you look up Shakespearean heroes in Google, one of the first things it claims as a hero is Lady Macbeth. Right to the three sister. people who have studied Shakespeare, you'll understand why that's... What? Anyway, um, Shakespeare has obviously studied for literature in high schools and universities, explore its content and meanings and giggle at the word knob. Um, and in September 2015, ladies and gentlemen, the contemporary theatre company in Wakefield, Rhode Island, uh, Rhode Island will stage Puglet, the first ever production of Hamlet as starring pugs. Ah! <laughs> You've really upset Tim Redmond. Pugs <laughs> <laughs> really. just don't get existentialism. They just don't. I'm sorry. No, when they do the eye pops out. <laughs> <laughs> ah! 
Uh, is that an eye or a nut? <laughs> Could nut be. pops out. <laughs> Pug nut. And it rotates. Uh, Tweet it! Tweet it! Pug nut. You're eating. Pug nut. Uh, uh, but now it's over to the boffins to determine who has won the white blood cell boffins. Yes, thank you, David. The rebellious white blood cell, in fact. Rebellious white blood cell. This week, a very close game. Our winner today... It's Mr. Tim Redmond. Oh! Yes. What are you, what are you going to do with your white blood cell? Oh, I'll probably go die from leukemia. <laughs> oh, sorry, I shouldn't end the podcast on that. I will cure leukemia. Yay! Yeah, Ooh, rebellious. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> And now that's the end of the program. I hope you enjoyed it. You can come and see the recording on the first Saturday of the month at 1 pm at the Wesley End. Our website is www.grandoftruth.com.au. And you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Grand of Truth Show. And on Twitter at Grand of Truths. And now, least you to thank our panel, Tim Redmond, Rob Lloyd, Marcus Willis, and Stacey Taylor. Our Muffin of the Week, Brenda Jelly. Our composer, Matthew Handgraf. Arranged by Michael Bell, Morris Studios, the local designer, Tom Markovich. Our sound restaurant, Armin Protein. Properties Manor, Seth Dress, and Official Partner. Oh, God. Asher Cameron. Oh, Jesus Christ. Our menu, the Wesley and I've been your host, David. Have a splendid day! <laughs> this has been a Flapjack Thursday production. Yay!